Hello. Yo, what's up? Hey. Well, I gotta turn off your Yo, stream. That would probably help. <clears throat> what's up? Ah, I am here. <laughs> nice. Okay, the stream's off. Hello. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right, we made it. All right. What's uh, what's on your mind? You said you're a libertarian Republican voter who's uh, who's who's interested in talking about it, right? Yeah. So, um, I can I just give you some background. Yeah. Hit me up. Um, so first of all, I'm a little bit nervous. I've never done this before. Um, so one of my one of my friends, he's very left leaning. I, I think you'd call him. Uh -huh. um, and he recommended a one of the videos that you made, and I watched it. It was about the the that one guy that shot all the like a bunch of the protesters and Kyle Rittenhouse. I think yeah yeah I think that was it yeah. Okay, that's probably um, not my best video, but yeah sure yeah. I'll take it. Yeah, I, I, that's where I was going. So I, I kind of got turned off by that. I was like, I saw your debate with Destiny about it. And I was like, uh, I don't know about this guy. Um, but I stopped watching you for a while. And I just recently I started watching you again. And like you have some good points with stuff. I don't know anything off the top of my head that I could bring up about like any good points that you had. But I know there's been some things I agree with you on. And um, my main thing with like this conversation, I want, I, I kind of want you to convince me that like Biden is, a, would be better than Trump. Um, cause, and this is probably just what the YouTube algorithm or like whatever social media that I'm on, like wants to show me. Um, I've seen the social dilemma and all that, mm -hmm. but like, so I'm probably more biased because of the things that I've been showed. I don't get shown like the whole truth, like what you just, what you just showed, like a couple, a couple of minutes, like, a, like 10 or 15, 20 minutes ago, you showed the, the Trump supporters like blocking the freeway. And I was like, I was completely baffled by that. I was like, what Trump supporters doing that? I've only ever seen um, like Antifa or some people doing that. And like that, just like, just that opened my eyes. Like, wait, what the fuck is going on? Um, and so I've never seen that before. And it was really weird. Um, so yeah, I'd like for you to convince me that, like, just show me some more stuff, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, sure. So we can, um, I guess we can take it in broad categories. It's impossible to touch on every point. Um, yeah, of course. So, yeah. So with regards to, um, to climate change, is that an issue where you think that Trump is decidedly better than or neutral to Biden? Or would you generally um, agree that Biden's approach is superior? Uh, I I, ha I haven't really quite thought about the climate change issue. I know that I, I think that climate change is definitely an issue. I don't necessarily like the way that the the left side of the pol political spectrum is like going with it. Like they want to shut down the oil industry. I think what needs to happen is that we need to stop incentivizing or we need to start incentivizing more green energy mm -hmm. and like solar panels and all that. But I, I don't think we should restrict more um, of like the oil and the natural gas. I think we need to put subsidies on the green, the greener stuff and, and then get rid of the subsidies on the oil stuff. And that will push our economy more into the green like energy more naturally instead of forcing it. Sure, but, you know what I mean? Yeah, but you just described what Biden wants to do. Biden doesn't want to actually like to cold turkey cut off oil that would destroy the country. But removing subsidies from fossil fuels and placing additional subsidies on green energy development, investing in that and getting additional jobs from the investment in that new energy, like that's the that's the plan that he's moving towards. He has a whole plan with the two trillion climate change deal, which ba I mean, you basically just like described it. Um, and really? uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, whereas Trump like Trump, 
Tr Trump's friends are all oil moguls. I mean, he uh -huh. has no interest in curtailing the power of that industry, not even slightly. Um, so I think that, like, if, if that's your goal, like a gradual transition, I'd say that's a pretty uh, a Bidenistic policy, if I would. I'm, I mean, I'm a little more radical personally. I think that um, yeah. I think we should I think that we should perhaps have a talk with these oil execs at, I don't know, The Hague. Uh, but in, uh, you know, radicalism aside, I, I, I think that you wouldn't find too much issue with the actual policy positions. Okay. Um, and so basically what I said was the Biden plan. That's essentially what it is, right? Yeah. The, well, the Biden, yeah, it's a $2 trillion uh, plan that he's advocated for. He adopted it about four months ago. It was part of concessions that were made, uh, from him or, or to, uh, the, um, uh, the Bernie sort of block. And um, mm -hmm. I think it's generally a pretty good plan. I mean, from, from what I understand, generally speaking, like American job growth is and always has been about innovation because um, yes. we've always had like the resource base to kind of capitalize on that fresh new technology. So for us to try to like build jobs by like bringing manufacturing back or like hoping everyone will work at an oil plant, like that's like centuries old you know, uh, technology, whereas we could get a head start on the rest of the planet. If we get uh, on green energy fast enough, other countries will have to rent or buy that tech from us. I mean, it would be, we would be putting ourselves in a huge, like, uh, you know, advantageous position come the turn of the, um, you know, 2030, 40, and so on. Yeah. Um, and the $2 trillion thing that you talk about, what's that in reference? Like, what is the $200 trillion doing? Or like, what is it? You mean where, like, where does it go to, or like over what? What is the economic growth that's going to do, or like, what is that two two trillion dollar number? Uh, it goes to um, well, it goes to subsidies. It, it goes, huh? That's what it costs the two two hundred. Yeah, $2 I think trillion. it's I think it's um two trillion over ten years. I think that's the frame. Is it two trillion okay. over five or ten? Chat, I'm blanking right now. Bill, tell me. Um, yeah, ten, yeah, ten years. Okay, yeah, so two hundred billion. Uh, yeah, per year. Um, but essentially, the goal would be to uh, you set a standard for uh, carbon pollution free power by 2035. It would also mm -hmm. go to upgrading buildings and weatherizing homes, uh, and it would go towards subsidies to the the um, uh, the green energy industries. Um, and it's all I mean, it's all pretty manageable. Keep in mind, two trillion dollars over 10 years. Trump was just trying to push through two trillion dollars for a single stimulus. Um, so we have the money to do this and it would create quite a few jobs. Uh huh. Okay. Um, and I like to ask you about taxes. Mm -hmm. Um, so as a libertarian myself, I'm very, as you can probably assume, I'm very against taxes. Mm -hmm. Um, and that goes like basically across the board. Um, Why? so just cause I don't believe we need to give the government more money. Like what? Um, because they're incredibly inefficient about a lot of things. Um, in what way? Healthcare is one of them. We just, we spend an insane amount of money on our defense, which well, healthcare is private. So that's well, it's like, it's like half and half, right? Well, so the, some of it's like public, some of it's private. Well, the only reason why Medicare and Medicaid are so expensive is because they're working off the infrastructure of a private healthcare system. Um, mm -hmm. if, if you actually, if this system was public, uh, like made public, like through Medicare for all, or even just through a public option, it would be, um, significantly cheaper. Like in this case, this would be an instance where decommodification would actually make it a lot more, 
um, economically efficient. The military, I will agree with you on. I'm not the one. I'm not here advocating for increases in military expenditures. Yeah. But Trump, the both Democrats and Republicans are going to keep doing that. So that's mm -hmm. that's like a we get that evil no matter what, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. So that kind of puts my my mind to ease. Um, the 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 taxes with uh, corporate taxes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, specifically corporate taxes. Uh, from what I what I've seen is, um, uh, like when you when you slash corporate taxes, it seems. I don't have like specific numbers. This is just generalization. It, what seems to happen is that companies seem to like come back to the country. Am I wrong in that assumption? Well, in the United States, yeah, because there's not really a relationship between our corporate taxes and the amount of um, and like the willingness that companies have to invest in our country. There are countries that do that, like Ireland, for example, where their corporate yeah. taxes are so low that they like corporations will like set up, you know, their facilities over there just to take advantage of that. But in America, we have a, an amazing country here. We shouldn't be selling these corporations on low corporate tax rates. We should be selling them on our incredible infrastructure and incredibly well-educated population. It just seems kind of weird that we would have to beg for scraps with multinational corporations when most of them were built up and powered by American innovation, you know? Okay. Um, and then also, the this kind of goes back to the um, oil industry kind of thing. Mm -hmm. With like jobs and everything with that, um, would would transferring into a more green energy kind of thing, would that kind of reduce the amount of jobs we have? Everything that I've seen indicates that it would increase the number of jobs because um, right now, like the the longer uh, developing technology usually takes more people working on it to get a, um, a a respective amount of output. So with oil industry, for example, this has been going on for 150 years. We know how this works. American businessmen have streamlined it to the maximum possible point. But with green energy, we're innovating like every single like month we develop something new about carbon scrubbing or about the efficiency of solar panels or lithium batteries these mm -hmm. industries are on the rise and in order to transition our country into like a functioning green energy sustainable country like this is a this process would take like an unfathomable amount of labor but profitable labor because we'd be investing it in something that's like worthwhile that people want that people need so i feel like it would create a great number of jobs and every economic report that i've seen has indicated that as well the goal would be transitioning it in a way that would minimize harm being done. Oh, wait, I'm being informed right now. Um, apparently, more people work on solar fields than oil fields currently in the United States. So, really? And that's with, that's with the minimal investment we've given. And that's only solar. That's not even our other types of renewable energy. So yeah, it, yeah. it would just be a way of responsibly transitioning people from one to the other. Like, you don't want to just delete the oil industry. You have to, like, incentivize yeah, people to move over. And you can get people, like like ex-oil employees moving over to like these panels and that'd be good i think okay um so from from me talking to you i feel a lot better about this because like it it is in my mind i have like something where it's like these lefties uh they they want to like do all these radical changes and such and like the 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 kind of i don't know where i'm going with this but like it, it it feels like all all of you guys want to like change everything so suddenly and like you saying let's it needs to be a gradual change like something like that like that may, that makes it a lot better like 
from what I see, at least, it just seems like it everything has to happen like within this specific time period. It has to happen this fast. Um, like the Green New Deal, like it has to happen, like it, it has to happen within like this amount of time. And it I, I don't I don't really feel like that's where it actually is. I feel like you guys are more open to change than I thought. Yeah, the thing the thing that concerns me the most, it's like you said it earlier, it's where we get our information from. So mm-hmm. one historically speaking, the two biggest like hand in hand allies of the Republican Party have been the military industrial complex and the the energy industry. And that historically, if you look back, even going 50 years back, I mean, all the way at least back to Eisenhower, um, those two like massive industries have been like the some of the hardest determiners of where Republican policy goes. And what's frustrating to me is that it feels like oil. Like right now, I feel like green energy is a slam dunk. Like we advance, we make our country, you know, um, more energy efficient. We reduce our reliance on other countries. We develop technology we can sell to other countries. We create new jobs. We develop an industry that nobody else is investing in as well as we can. If we had, like, if we really put our heart to it, we could blow Germany. We could blow Japan. We could blow China out of the fucking water, you know, like easily. This is America. We have that money. And, um, and the issue is, like, these dinosaurs who work for the oil, who, who, who run these oil and gas industries, the ones who pump hundreds of thousands, millions into lobbying, these people are like, no, nah. Now it won't work. You have to keep giving us the money, and it's like it's like, damn, dude, fucking die. If we, yeah. to, I don't care about these people. I care about the oil workers, like the people who actually rely on that for their well-being. But hey, those people, even let's say worst case scenario, like we can't move these people over in time. You know, the amount mm-hmm. of money our country could make from properly investing in green energy would provide a social safety net that could help them in a way that they could never get. Like right now, their 401ks are suffering too. Their children also are getting higher and higher tuition fees at college. Like all of these economic systems feed into one another. And the the backbone of all of it, at least in a capitalist system, is, I mean, it's innovation and growth. And we're not growing. We're not innovating. We're just finding ways to reiterate upon profit motives that feed money into the same groups of people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so let's, let's do social issues now. Yeah. I'm very, this, um, so you talk a lot about racism and like on the part of the Republican party. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I kind of, you said something with, I, I saw another debate that you did with another viewer. Um, and you said, all Trump supporters are either racist or are okay with racism. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, I kind of agree with that because um, it's kind of like, they just don't care about racism. Like they don't think it's that big of an issue. So yeah, they'd be okay with racism. But from my point of view as a libertarian, I'm more like, it doesn't matter if they're racist, as long as they don't input that into their policies, then I'm cool with it. Like, I don't really care because they're not implementing it into their policies, right? Sure, but are they not? Um, so this is where I'd ask you where Trump has implemented racism into his um, policies. Yeah, I mean, I'd say that calling the, the largest civil rights movement in the history of the country made up of anti-American like thugs and rioters, like holy, and then decrying all of them as an enemy of the state, I'd say that would be like 
it's like I mean, man it sure is a good thing that jfk wasn't like a wasn't like trump back in the day you know like uh back during the civil rights movement or like uh the civil rights bill probably would have taken a couple more presidential administrations to come through um we have that i mean we have the we have the persistent or sorry lbj we have the persistent um republican narrative that there is no systemic racism in this country which i mean if you believe that and that's what they believed back in the civil rights days too um the elimination of like equal housing rules the muslim ban which it's not race technically but if we want to talk about like bigotry against groups of people yeah, for, yeah for reasons other than their own behavior if we want to talk about god oh sorry guys what's the name of that white nationalist who is literally right now drafting a second term immigration plan for donald trump where he wants to even further curtail yeah miller stephen miller thank you who's literally a white nationalist who writes trump speeches who writes his immigration policy who's currently trying to like curtail further the immigration of non-white people um we can talk about his treatment of like um like uh, illegal aliens or like undocumented immigrants and the way in which he's fear-mongered um it, it feels like i'm trump only became politically relevant after he became the largest um perpetuator of the myth that um barack obama was born in kenya like he was the origin of the birther movement so it feels like he, I mean, that plus like a bunch of testimonies from people close to him over the decades that he has some very wacky beliefs about black and Jewish people and Latinos. Um, it just it just seems like white supremacy is kind of baked into this country's narrative, you know, like it's pretty. And, and especially with the Republican administration right now, they're really doubling down on promoting like white supremacy as their underlying interest, you know? Uh, okay, so... Um, I saw someone in the chat mention the Muslim ban. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I know that Trump called it a Muslim ban. And like, I, I think that might've been one of the reasons why, but like, I, I, I can't help but think that, is there any possible like reason, other reason that they would go for a ban on those countries? Cause India, from my knowledge, India wasn't banned in the whatever Muslim ban, right? No, and that's the largest Muslim country. Well, proportionally, it's mostly Hindu people. I mean, most okay. of the it's, it's Pakistan is where. Um... Okay. Um, so. Oh, you mean wait? Do you mean Indonesia? Um, that might be it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Indonesia. Well, the re so... the reason why he um, the reason why he did that because before it was reported that he was talking with his aides like, how do I ban Muslims in a way that isn't unconstitutional? You know. And the one that he settled on was using an Obama-era list of countries that may represent yeah. national security threats. And the reason he chose the countries that he did was because using Obama's list that was established for reasons that weren't outright bigotry would give him kind of like a um, like plausible deniability when it came to the implementation of the ban. You know what I mean? It it would be like um, it would it would be like um. If, if you had a friend who was like trying to bring together like friends for a basketball game and just because of the way neighborhood demographics worked out, he like picked up a lot of black people, you know, and you were like, um, yeah, OK, so we're not having any more people on the basketball team uh, in our school. We're just done with like the basketball team, you know, like you're not specifically targeting black people, but the way circumstances kind of like came together suggest you're looking for a way to get rid of them without directly uh -huh. invoking the group identity you know what i mean so and then the other side of that is is there no reason to be suspect of 
um, Muslim immigrants into our country? No. Muslim immigrants in this country are less radicalized than the evangelical Christians who already live here. Okay. So from what I see, and this you can take this with a grain of salt because I'm not exactly <laughs> the most educated. Um, it, it seems as though they have, like, the culture shift is is seems radically different like okay. their the the laws they have there are not necessarily similar to our laws what do you mean uh, there um in the middle east sure but i mean if you look at the muslims in this country they commit less crime than do the domestic population so yeah. whatever political uh, characteristics they have from those countries there's clearly a difference think of it this way the Muslims in those countries who are most likely to want to immigrate to America probably aren't the type of people who would go running up to club gay people the moment they see two guys hand, holding hands in the street, you know? It's usually more educated, more progressive, less radical Muslims who have the money to travel to America and, um, and, and settle here. Immigration yeah. as a process tends to select for the well-educated people just because yeah. those are the ones who usually have the money to afford the process. Europe's situation is different because a lot of the Muslims in Europe didn't come through an exclusionary gate-kept process. A lot of them are refugees, which means that they have like a whole different set of like demographic issues to worry about, which I still think are manageable, but it's a different system. Here in America, though, it just doesn't seem like there's any threat to us from Muslims, like at all, really. Yeah, so that's, that's what I was gonna say next, is the refugees. Mm -hmm. um, so do you think that we should bring refugees into the US? Yeah, as much as our country can take, right? I think it's just—it's. I mean, it's just a humanitarian effort. If there are people around the world who are incapable of living comfortably where they are, I think that our country is bountiful and wealthy, and it's good of us to take them in. I mean, if we take like a billion in, of course we can't—we can't do that. But we should be—we should take people in, yeah. Um. So then, what do you what do you say to? Um. I guess all the there were what two terrorist attacks in France this month or last month mm -hmm. and there were like five other terrorist attacks where that, that were like stopped before they actually happened yeah so and that was at least people are saying that's because of all the like amount of refugees that they're taking in and stuff like that so what, what would you say to that well i mean they're in a completely different situation from us they took in a fuck ton of refugees because of the um because of the civil war that sent literally millions of people north um you're going to have problems integrating large segments of the population like that, no matter what. But right now here in America, we don't seem to have those issues. It would be it would be like pointing at a person who's like, like they've eaten at a buffet and they've had a fuck ton of food and they're getting kind of gurgly, you know, because they've eaten too much. And then there's somebody who's like sitting down and they've eaten like two fig leaves and like a slice of tomato. And you point at the person who's eaten the tomato slice and you're like, uh, hey, whoa, whoa, hold on there, buddy. Uh, you know, let's uh, let's slow down. Don't want to end up like gurgles over there. I, I think that our country is capable of handling more than we currently do. Also, usually the terrorist attacks in European countries aren't refugees themselves. They're usually operatives who um, go there and commit terrorist attacks because they're relying on the crackdown from the state to radicalize refugees. That's usually the goal of, um, of terrorist groups. It's not like their goal isn't just to like kill a dude. Their goal is to heighten the antagonism between two demographic groups until it leads to war. That's what... Um, that's what uh, Osama bin Laden was trying to do. I mean, he wrote all about it. Like he wanted to show, he wanted to show the world. Like he wanted to get back at us for our crimes to show the world of our persecution of Islam and that sort of thing. 
Um, the best solution there really is to not take the bait, you know, don't, don't crack down. You can find ways to deal with terrorism that don't involve like restricting travel or civil rights. Okay. So one of, one of my biggest fears as a result of the refugee, if refugees came into America, we'd see something, um, that alike to nine 11, um, not, not like by, by what you, what you said, like how certain radicals would be infiltrating the system into to getting into our country right um and then they would commit something like 9-11 and then we'd have another wave of new laws that would essentially restrict freedoms as we did in 9-11 yeah but after- that's that's an excuse for white nationalism that's essentially saying ethnic tensions will lead to state crackdowns so we need to have only one ethnic group you know i think well, there are ways to fight against the totalitarianism without fighting against the ethnic inclusion 9-11 wasn't caused by refugees. It was caused by, a, you know, a, a terrorist effort funded by a state we're still buddies with. And uh, most of the deaths that have taken place in this country from terrorism over the past 20 years have been from, well, from white supremacists. So mm-hmm. it, I, I just, I mean, this is like a developing issue. If more and more refugees come into our country and we start to see problems as a result of that, we can scale the number of refugees we take in accordingly to balance out whatever problems we're having. But Right now, I just don't think it's a real social issue. I mean, right now, today, a thousand people have died from COVID-19. How many people have overdosed due to overprescribed opioids? I just can't get it in my heart to get that worked up over the possibility that maybe if we let more refugees in, eventually one of them might do a terrorism. You know, it's it's just yeah. it's, it's a very abstracted and sensationalized problem relative to the stuff that people tend to actually suffer from. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. Uh all right that that makes sense <laughs> um so i'd say that i'm trying to think um uh i guess you convinced me on that one i don't i have no ain't, ain't nothing um were there any other particular topics you wanted to talk about like um I guess we kind of touched in the economy with with the energy thing and you know, the social issues. Was there anything else you had in mind? Um, I I'd like to do gun gun um, yeah gun laws. You and I are probably going to agree on the gun shit. Um, I mean, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty pro gun. I think that the Democrats and the Republicans are both like fight over marginal gun laws that don't meaningfully restrict people's Second Amendment rights that much. Like most gun laws are passed by states, not by the nation. And it feels yeah. like there's never enough popular support to actually go through with national gun bans. So while I don't like the attitude Democrats have on guns, I guess I'm just not that worried about it, you know? Because like, like maybe it's like uh, they they like have an extra background check, or they, um, you know, there's a terror for some dumb shit. Well, it wouldn't be terror because we make all these guns, you know, locally. Uh, but any shit like that. But, like, I don't think that Democrats are actually going to start rounding up guns. Um, I don't know. If they did, I feel like the Republicans in this country would fucking nuke themselves. So I'd, uh, I guess I'm just not too concerned about it. But I agree, like, Democrats' attitudes on guns are fucking stupid. Okay. Um, so my views on guns are probably be probably a little radical. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there should be universal background checks. I don't think we should really... I think that um, as as we should it should be managed by the states like as as you said they pretty much are right um and i 
there was one other point that I was going to say. I, I forgot. But it the way it is in uh, in Florida, from what from what I know, um, they have very lax gun laws. Am I correct in saying that? Do you know? I'm pretty sure Florida has pretty lax gun laws. Yeah. Yeah. So like things like open carry, and I, I don't think they have to have a license to um, conceal carry either. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I think the way the gun laws are in Florida are, are like the ideally where I would want them. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I think this is always, I think this is always going to be a state by state thing. Um, I don't think there's ever going to be a national gun law. That's like really that punitive. And it's mostly going to be a matter of like, maybe one day California is like basically no guns allowed. California is pretty restrictive, but hell, even in California, you can get a gun pretty easy if you, if you want to, like, it's not that much of a bother. And then in Florida, maybe everyone's driving tanks to work. I don't really know. But yeah, I, what what I would say is like, I, I can acknowledge that rep- that Democrats piss me off with their gun talk, but like that's a concession that I'm willing to make with regards to other stuff like the economy, COVID, um, the energy industry, and cl- like climate change. Like this, this to me would be like a lesser evil voting kind of thing, you know? Okay. Yeah. Um, have you have you changed your stance on the Kyle Rittenhouse thing since that's happened? I feel like I I don't know what perspective you came out of that with. I feel like I got misinterpreted a lot. I don't think because I've acknowledged there are arguments for Kyle Rittenhouse having legitimately engaged in self-defense that I can understand legally and morally, though I don't necessarily know if I lean those ways. The real thing we got parsed on in that discussion was um, whether or not if you have recently killed somebody, you have a moral obligation to surrender yourself to nearby civilians who attempt to apprehend you. And in my mind, I think that's still the case because I think otherwise you get some really weird territory. Like, I know you've probably heard this because you listened to the debate, but imagine like, um, imagine like uh, you're, um, fuck me, what's a good example? You're, you're like out at a protest or something like that and you go into an alleyway to take a piss, just a big steaming piss, you know, like you really need to go. And like, yep somebody tries to like uh, mug you like they show up behind you with a knife but you're carrying you turn around you shoot them and the protesters out in the street they just hear a gunshot people run up to you these people look angry you're holding a smoking gun you know there's a corpse at your feet your cock's out because you were just pissing Um, Mm -hmm. and in my mind in that situation and this is very very marginal but in that situation i think the more responsible thing for the shooter to do is to drop the gun and surrender than it is to start shooting the people who come to stop you. Because I think that just in a utilitarian sense, you're better, you're more likely to get a good outcome if you just throw your hands up, say, holy shit, it was self-defense, than you would if you just started mowing down anyone trying to be the hero and stopping you, you know? And I still hold that perspective, but I still think that's very marginal, you know? Okay, okay, I I understand that. We don't agree on that, but I understand where you're coming from. Um, And just can get, like, you turn to, like, a... Have you played Doom Eternal or like either of the Doom games? Yeah, yeah. I'm just worried, like, like if you leg- if you like legit kill somebody in self defense, like legitimate exercise of self defense, and then like people come to stop you because they think you're just like an active shooter, and like 15 minutes later you're standing atop a mountain of like f- fucking college student corpses with like t- your your yeah. ARs smoking in both hands, you know. And I just, I don't know. I just, I just worry. I don't know if that's the best solution, and I wouldn't want somebody feeling like that's the moral or or legal path to take there but again and i acknowledge this the problem with that discussion that i had is that we quickly got into the weeds of 
highly esoteric self-defense philosophy, which is going to be relevant like basically 0% of the time. So I don't know if that's like a hair to, worth splitting, you know? Um, and I saw someone in the chat said you don't, or you do need a concealed carry license. So scratch that. No, no carry, no concealed carry li license, and open carry would be my ideal state. Yeah. You want, you want the gun laws of uh, of international waters, essentially. The uh, yes, yeah, where you're on like the yacht with like the cartel dudes, and everyone's just chilling with their um, with their their fucking Uzis out, you know? Of course. Yeah. All right, so um. I, I I assume we probably agree on abortion, but I do want to talk about that for a second. Yeah, hit it. So I'm pro-choice, and I assume oh. you are too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my my rationale for pro-choice is the state has no place in um, the health of your body, and that's basically what I believe. You? So do you agree with that? Yeah, I think that if you believe the state should be able to prevent an abortion, you get into a very fucking weird position with regards to bodily autonomy. Can I give you like a hypothetical? Yeah, sure. Okay. So usually people, so here's how the argument tends to go. It'll go like, um, uh, I should not be forced to attach my body to an entity um, that I don't want to be attached to. I should be able to detach myself from it, even if it will cause that thing's death. And then the response would be, but that entity didn't just show up. That's a baby inside of you. And it was your behavior that led to the creation of that baby. Ignoring rape. Let's just say this is all consensual, which yeah. most pregnancies are, I, I imagine. Most abortions are the product mm -hmm. of consensual sex. I would fucking hope. Um, mm -hmm. But let's say, here's an example, okay? Let's say that uh, you, uh, you drunk drive and you get in a car accident and you uh, wake up and you're attached IV-wise to another person, and you have to be attached to them for a given length of time uh, because your body is the only thing keeping them alive. Now you're in a situation where it's your fault, you're in this position, you drunk drive, that's on you, um, and your vitals are what's keeping this thing alive. This person who will survive if you stay connected to them. Under no circumstances can the state force you to stay there with that person. They cannot do it. They absolutely cannot. Because even if it's your fault, your autonomy in that respect is worth more than the life of a person you put in that position. And that's, I mean, that's the value we have settled on. And if we don't settle on that value, you can go into some really weird territories with ways in which the state can force you to do things you don't want to. So along those lines, yeah, I think that we should have the right to have an abortion. Even if, even if a fetus is a person, which I don't think it is. Okay, um, so I'd like to get your thoughts on a different libertarian ideal. Mm -hmm. um, it it goes as far like I think it's twenty one weeks where a baby can be extracted from the mother without it dying. I think that's the earliest it's been done. Um, so I I saw something I can't remember what it, what the name of it was, but it was basically where you have to keep it until 21 weeks and then you can get it extracted and then, but you're not allowed to abort it. So technically it's just extract and extraction instead of abortion. Sure. But even then up until that 21st week or 24th or whatever number it is, you're still being forced yeah. to keep it. No. Okay. So that wouldn't you say it would be like a, a minimal uh, inconvenience? Like it's not the same thing as like a, having a, full person attached to you like 
I, I guess I, I mean, I wouldn't understand because I've never been through pregnancy. I don't like know. Don't the worry, gap. me either. We're in the same boat on that one. <laughs> yeah, um, but I just assume like there's, um, like there's vomiting and everything. I, I know that for sure. I, and, I like, think there's some. I, I think that like I, I think in this case, like you, even if it causes you no inconvenience, you still have a moral right to want to do with what your body, whatever you like, even if it causes harm. Um, even even if the separation of you from your fetus causes it harm, in all likelihood kills them, um, I imagine. I mean, if we're to say that fetuses are deserving of some kind of personhood, even if it's not full personhood, something, then would it be more moral to hold it out until you could give birth to this child and then give them over to the state? Maybe. But whether or not it's moral, I don't think really corresponds to whether or not the state has the authority to um to force you to make that decision you know like of course um i make a decent amount of money it'd be most moral for me to donate a tremendous amount of that to charity but i have other plans for that and i don't think the state should be able to force me to do that you know yeah of course okay um all right well that that's everything i wanted to talk about is there anything you wanted to talk to me about as a as, as, as long as you're not enthralled by this hunter biden bullshit uh then i think uh yeah, no. <laughs> I talked with my mom about it yesterday and like my my uh my great or my grandpa is like a very Trump person and he sends out these emails to my entire family about like all these like a bunch of Republican like BS. Yeah. And my mom's talking about the Hunter Biden thing and it's like ah, it's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, I think that to me more than anything else is the main reason that I think it's important Biden wins. Because I feel like the Trump can't, like Republicans are like, not you, but like a lot of them are in another fucking universe when it comes to like factual information and the interpretation of that information. And my concern is that with these people, even if you like, they couldn't, they wouldn't know like a good direction for this country if it bit them, you know, uh, like yeah. once you're separated from the faculties necessary to identify what is a real issue, what is a real threat, you know, then it, like it's it's almost impossible to get anything done and i feel like the republican party right now is like completely 100 percent chips in on that conspiracism they've been pushing this hunter biden shit super hard until they mysteriously stopped talking about it right after nbc did an expose indicating that all the info that it came from was a disinfo campaign made up by a fake person who worked for a fake company and it's like Tucker Tucker Carlson did a segment on this, and he, he was like, well, Hunter Biden's a broken man. We're not going <laughs> to talk about him anymore. We're not going to kick him while he's down, literally, like, hours after the expose was published. So I'm just, I'm just worried about, like, the direction we could head in. And I guess I would rather take, I would rather take, like, a neoliberal government where I feel like we have some elbow room to kind of talk about real issues than a than whatever the fuck Trump's government is going to be, where I feel like it's just going to be arguing against crazy conspiracy theories twenty four seven, you know? Yeah. Okay. And then last thought, I just want to get your opinion on um, censorship in social media because I know the Hunter Biden shit that's kind of, but it 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 did get censored by like Twitter and all that. And just so you know, it turns out that's actually fake news too. Oh, um, is it? Yeah, Twitter had a pre-existing policy against leaks. Um, you can't publish leaked information to Twitter. So anything that was disclosed without the consent of the of the persons it was obtained from. And uh, they had done this before. 
the article from the New York Post, that article had pictures and info directly screen capped from the alleged Hunter Biden leaks. They've done this a couple months ago, too. They did the exact same thing with an article which contained a bunch of leaks about police officers and police unions in the country. So it's not just like a censoring the conservatives thing. It's just their policy disallows that. And they apply that policy anytime some big story comes out that relies on leaks. Okay. And then um, do you think that free speech should apply to private companies like on social media? Or do you think it, it should or like they should have since they're a private business, they should be allowed to do whatever? I think that so I'm of two minds in this specific issue. I think that just in a, in a fundamentally businesses should be able to decide um what their tos is i think like very fundamentally even in a socialist society if we had some crazy socialist government and i had like a worker co-op or some sort of socialist firm and our job was we upkept some sort of online forum about car repair and then it just got raided by a bunch of neo-nazis like like do i not get to like do i not get to ban them you know like um, yeah. yeah, I'd be concerned about that because I feel like I feel like otherwise you basically just leave the Internet a perpetual wild, wild west. And no other company works this way. You can't ban people for being black or whatever. That's not yeah. allowed. But banning people for their behavior. I mean, I think that's probably OK. We can do that for coffee shops. You know, on the other hand, there is no denying that right now discourse online is completely decided by essentially a handful of people the tech CEOs and their like corporate managers. And those are the ones who like want are completely behind what gets pushed and what, and what doesn't. And my main worry is at the moment, it feels like these big corporations don't lean in favor of truth. That's my main concern. Facebook yeah. has been used as a disinfo outlet for far right and tyrannical governments across the world to disseminate propaganda and what have you, because their True. policies are like amicable to that. These are power structures that can be, infiltrated and co-opted in a way that i'm not uh really that comfortable with so if i if i want anything it would probably be better oversight but i don't know how to implement that oversight without it just being more government regulation it's genuinely a really tough question for me i need to think more about it okay well thank you for having me on yeah sorry for talking your head off by the way i know i always i anytime i'm asked a question I talk too much. I'm used to live streaming on my own. So when people ask me, I just, I like the sound of my own voice. I try not to, but I really do appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, for sure. You opened my mind on, the, on a couple of things. Thank you. Ain't nothing. Well, I had a phenomenal conversation or I had a phenomenal time and I hope you have a wonderful day. And I guess I'm going to go check 538 and see how we're doing. Okay. All right. Thank All right. you. See you. Be well.